Hi, this is Rebecca Meitinger and the Seeking Pearls podcast. This is the first episode of the first series that we will be doing on the Seeking Pearls podcast. And the first series we're doing is based off of Romans chapter 8. During the quarantine shutdowns of 2020, the Lord laid Romans chapter 8 on my heart. I had loved it for years, for as long as I could remember. But during that time when my kids were at home doing school on Zoom and we couldn't go anywhere, we were quarantining from our friends and just staying home, that was a hard season. As you well know, we all went through it. And the Lord put Romans 8 on my heart to memorize. And so I would sit out on my sunny patio while my kids were inside doing their Zoom school, and I would just go through and work on memorization of Romans chapter 8, and it became a lifeline to me during those days. As I studied the scripture and memorized the scripture, it dug down deep into my heart. And the more I worked on it, the more I wanted to write on this scripture. And then the more I wrote on this scripture, the more I wanted to teach this scripture. And over the course of about a year and a half, it grew into a Bible study that I wrote called Spirit Life, Living in the Promises of Romans 8. That Bible study is available for purchase on my website, RebeccaMeitinger.com. And this podcast series we're going to do actually goes along with that Bible study, but they can also each stand alone. You could do the podcast without doing the Bible study, or you could do the written Bible study without doing the podcast, but they certainly work together. Now, the way the Bible study is set up is that you would study each chunk of scripture prior to listening to the teaching on it. So session one in the Bible study is Romans 8 verses 1 through 4, and there are five lessons on those four verses. And so you would do session one and then listen to the teaching on session one. And then you would do session two, which is verses five through 11. And then after you do those five lessons, you would listen to the teaching on session two and so on and so forth. That is the way the Bible study works with the podcast. In this episode of the podcast, we're actually gonna do an introduction before we get into the text of Romans chapter eight. So you can listen to this podcast and it will set you up with background knowledge so that then when you dive into Romans 8, you've already had an understanding of why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, what his goals were in writing, when he wrote it, where he wrote it, what are some of the key points in the letter, and then you can dive right into Romans chapter 8 with your Bible study. Every single verse of Romans chapter 8 is power-packed with promises from God. In fact, if you're doing the written study, one of the, the first page you'll do in your written study is just going through the entire chapter of Romans chapter 8. There are 39 verses. And writing down every single promise you find in those 39 verses. And let me tell you, almost every single verse has a promise within it, a pearl, a beautiful, valuable pearl of the kingdom of God. And so it will be a great joy to walk through this with you. I hope it's a blessing to you. Let's get started with some background on the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. I love the Apostle Paul. I could talk about him for hours, but I will not. I will try to keep this brief. We meet the Apostle Paul when he actually goes by his name Saul, which is his Jewish name. We meet him in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen is being stoned for his faith in the Lord Jesus. 
Saul is a Jewish Pharisee who is in agreement with the stoning of Stephen. And what we see right after Stephen gets stoned, we see in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, it says, But Saul was ravaging the church, and he entered house after house, dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. So he is a ravager of the church. He is a persecutor of the church of Christ. In Acts chapter 9, he is on his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians and bring them to prison. And Jesus meets him on the road. Jesus reveals himself to Saul. And Saul believes on the Lord Jesus, gives his life to Jesus. His life life is flipped upside down. And he realizes that Jesus is, in fact, the way and the truth and the life, the Son of God, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. And he spends the rest of his life teaching and ministering to the Lord Jesus Christ. He travels throughout all of Asia Minor, teaching about Jesus, even into Europe, planting churches and explaining the gospel of the Lord Jesus to people. And in our New Testament, we have 13 letters that Saul, then going by Paul, which is more of his Roman name, uh, he we have 13 letters of Paul writing letters to churches he had planted and individuals, and even one church he had not planted, which is the letter to the Romans. He writes churches letters and individuals letters to explain to them Things that they might be misunderstanding about the gospel or about how to live for Jesus, how to uh, minister to those around them in their communities, just a whole breadth of how to live as Christians is what he is writing about and explaining the Lord Jesus in his letters. One of those letters he wrote, like I said, is the, the letter to the church in Rome. And interestingly, this is the only letter he wrote to a group of people, a church that he did not plant. Paul, when he writes his letter to the Romans, he has never yet been to Rome. But we see very much a desire that he would go there. He wants to get to Rome. He has always wanted to get to Rome. So we don't actually know who planted this church. There is very much a likelihood that on the day of Pentecost, if you recall in Acts chapter 2, there were Jews from all over the all over the known world had come to Jerusalem for that Jewish holiday of Pentecost. And that's the day that the Holy Spirit came and fell on the believers and then they were able to preach in many many languages the truths about Jesus. So it's very possible that some Jewish men and women from Rome had come to Jerusalem on that day, heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus, believed on the Lord Jesus for salvation, and then took that back to Rome and began the Roman church. That's very possibly the way the Roman church began. But we know that Paul did not plant it. But he'd always wanted to get there. So what I want to do before we dive into our text of Romans chapter 8, which we will do in the next episode, I want to look at some of the other parts of Paul's letter to the Romans to help us get an idea of why he's writing it, what his point is, what are some of the struggles going on there, and that will help us as we understand the text of our study in Romans chapter 8. So Paul is writing the book of Romans, or the letter to the Romans, in about 57 A.D., And he is in his third missionary journey. He's in Corinth at the time, writing from the city of Corinth. And he's writing to 
the Romans because he really wants to go there. And so he's going to tell them, look, next on my plan is to come to you. And so he's going, he's going to build some relationship with them. He's going to help them with one of the struggles. They're one of the primary struggles in their church. And he's going to try to build a partnership with them. So I'm going to read a little bit from Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 8. That just helps us to see his heart. Like, I want to see you, brothers and sisters in Rome. I want to come and meet you. So he's going to say this in Romans 1, um, starting at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we might mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest amongst you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you and also to all who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So we see there in verse 16, we see a hint at why Paul is writing this letter. He said, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to the Jew and to the Greek. So one of the unique dynamics that is going on in the church in Rome is that the church more than likely, we don't know for sure, but like I said, it more than likely started by by some Jews who had gone to Jerusalem, heard the gospel preached at Pentecost, learned about the Lord Jesus, and brought that back to Rome. So it very likely started as a Rome, as a Jewish congre- congregation, as most of the early churches did start. But then what's really interesting is that in AD 48, Claudius, Emperor Claudius, actually kicked out all of the Jews out of Rome because he saw them as a threat. Interestingly, the Jewish people were the only people in the entire Roman Empire that refused to bow down to Caesar. And so that became a threat to Caesar. And Emperor Claudius kicked them out of Rome. There was about 40,000 Jews that got kicked out of Rome in 48 AD. So then what would have happened to the church in Rome is that all of the Jews got kicked out. But certainly during those years, like Pentecost had been about 15 years before that. So during those 15 years, certainly the Jewish people who had brought back the gospel of the Lord Jesus had had explained it and drawn in hundreds or maybe thousands of Gentiles who are non-Jews into the church as well. And then the Jews had to leave Rome. Well, that mean that that means that the church that was left in Rome would have been completely Gentile. There would have been no more Romans. I'm sorry, no more Jew, Jews in that church. It would have only been Gentiles. Now, ten years later, or nine years later, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. And he makes it clear that there are Jews back in the church. 
The reason for that is because then when Nero took over as emperor in 54 AD, he allowed the Jews to come back to Rome because he knew that they were a a big economic uh, bonus, a boost. It was an economic boost to have the Jews come back into Rome. So he allowed the the Jews to come back into Rome and what would have happened then to the church is, so it started as primarily Jewish church, probably, and then after a number of years, it became only a Gentile church for probably nine years or so, and then it became back into being a mixed church between the Jews and the Gentiles, and now they have to figure out how to work together. What do we do with the law, the Old Testament law that God gave to the Jews? What do we do with that? Because for a while, for a number of years, it was only, the church was only made up of Gentiles and they didn't have to worry about the Old Testament law. Then the Jews come back in and they're like, we don't know what to do with this. How do we work together? How do we work together in the Christian faith for the gospel of the Lord Jesus and not throw away this beautiful heritage of the Old Testament that the Jews have with the God? How do, we, how do we honor that and hold on to it and respect it? And how do we help it have its proper place in a, a mixed Jewish-Gentile church? So that is largely part of the conversation that Paul wants to have with the church in Rome. But we know that there's a little bit more to what he wants to write to of them. And we're going to find out that more in the, the end of the book of Romans. So let's jump to the end of his letter. Um, In Romans chapter 15, he's going to tell us a little bit more of his hopes in writing to them. He said, um, he's talking about how he, again, has always wanted to get to Rome. But he's saying, I have only ever wanted to preach the gospel where it's not yet been preached. Um, In verse 20 of chapter 15, he says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So he, his call by God has been to take the gospel into new places where nobody else has, has taken it. Well, Rome already had the gospel. So he knew that he wasn't supposed to go to Rome in all of these other journeys for all these other years he's been doing ministry. But he said that he has really fulfilled the ministry in a great amount of the land from Jerusalem to Lycrium. So if you are looking at a map from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, (laughs) he has fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And now he feels like, okay, now I can go to Rome. So in chapter 15 at verse 22, he says, this is the reason why I so often have been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go by to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor amongst the saints in Jerusalem. Now, this is just fascinating. So what he's saying is, okay, now I get to come to Rome now. I'm so excited. I've been wanting to come to you for so long. But he says, I have been collecting money against all from all these congregations to take back to the Jerusalem 
the church in Jerusalem. And so he's in Corinth. He's like halfway between Jerusalem and Rome. And he could keep on going straight to Rome. But he knows, I am going to take this money to Jerusalem. And a lot of people warn him, don't go to Jerusalem because other people are are nervous for him that if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get arrested in Jerusalem. And the Apostle Paul certainly knows that that is an option. And he's not afraid. He's like, I'm going to take this offering to Jerusalem. He could send it with somebody else, but Jerusalem is so dear to his heart that he's like, I want to take this to Jerusalem. He loves the church of Jerusalem. He knows that that is where this is all started, that it all started with the Jews in Jerusalem. And he said, the rest of the church is in debt to the the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem is where all this ministry began and I want to take the offering there. That's the heart of the Apostle Paul. And so he travels all the way back to Jerusalem and does in fact get arrested there. And he ends up getting to Rome a number of years later after an imprisonment in Jerusalem and then a two-year imprisonment in Caesarea and then a horrible shipwreck on the way to Rome. He finally makes it to Rome as a prisoner. But he doesn't make it to Rome the way he thinks he's going to make it to Rome. But he gets to Rome. That is the heart of the Apostle Paul. Now, as Paul ends his letter to the Romans, remember, this is before he ever goes there. This is in Corinth in about 57 AD. And when he arrives in Rome, it's actually, like I said, as a prisoner in 60 AD. So it this takes a really long time. When he says, I'm just going to go to Jerusalem and drop off the offering, and then I'll get to Rome, it's a, it's a much longer journey than he thinks it's going to be. So in chapter 16, what's really interesting is like at the end of most of Paul's letters, he gives his greetings. And I want to encourage you to read this because it's really fascinating that he gives greetings to 26 individuals in the letter to the Romans. And that's fascinating because, like we've talked about, he has not yet been to Rome. He's never been there. And yet, there are 26 individuals that he names in that church. And he's like, say hi to this person, say hi to this person, say hi to this person. And it's wonderful because think about all the people he has met on his journeys, all of the Jewish people who were kicked out of Rome, and he met them in different cities as he journeyed. And then after Nero opened up the doors again for the Jews to come back into Rome, Paul probably got letters or whatever saying, hey, we're moving back to Rome. And so as he writes this letter to Rome, he's like, say hi to Pris- Prisca and Aquila. Say hi to Mary. Say hi to Andronicus and Junia. Say hi to Ampliatus. Say hi to Urbanus. Like he's saying hi to all these people, probably many of them that he has met during his journeys. Um, The people that he says hi to in chapter 16 are Jews and Gentiles. They are slaves. Um, Some of them are names that are associated with the household of Caesar. They are um, all races. There is a huge, huge span of people that just shows the inclusivity, the diversity of this church and of the early church at large. That is a very beautiful thing. 
Phoebe is an important name that Paul mentions in chapter 16. Phoebe is one of the sisters in Christ he has met at his stay in Corinth, and she actually is the one who's gonna carry the letter to Rome. So she probably was going to Rome on other business, and he was like, hey, I'm writing a letter to Rome. Uh, Will you take it for me? Will you take the letter there? And I love to think, I don't know this for sure, but I just like to think that as the carrier of the letter, wouldn't it be exciting if Phoebe, a woman, was the first person to ever read these words out loud? To when she got to Rome, when she met with the church, met with the believers in Rome, if she got to read aloud the le- the words of this letter for the very first time, that gives me great excitement to think about. I don't know if she did, but it's really exciting. So that is some background on the book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. When we read Paul's letters, we need to remember that they are in fact letters. And so we're gonna study chapter eight during this study over the next six weeks. But let's remember that when Paul wrote Romans chapter eight, it was just one part of a much longer letter and it was not meant to be isolated alone. So if you have time to read more context, if you have time to read the entire letter to the Romans, that would be ideal. That would That is how we wanna read scripture. We wanna study it in the context of what it was written. And uh, we also want to remember that the words, even though they were written so long ago, 2,000 years ago, Paul wrote this letter, we certainly know that the Lord intends it for you and I as well, and that there are beautiful, life-giving truths in this letter and in chapter 8 that we're going to study that are every bit as pertinent for you and I as they were 2,000 years ago when Paul wrote them. And I, I think as we go through it, you will see how true that is. The Word of God is living and active, and it is true for me, and it is true for you, and it was true 2,000 years ago, and it will be true in a 1,000 years. Um, the Word of God stands forever. And so I'm excited to dive in with you. If you are doing the written Bible study, this is where you could you could take a week or five days or however many days it takes you and do session one, which is five lessons long, and then come back after you do those five lessons in session one and listen to the teaching on session one. And that teaching will focus on Romans 8 verses 1 through 4. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this background to the book of Romans. It is exciting to study God's word with you. Have a great day.